This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome back. Hour two of two underway here on the game. 1037 Live yet and 1041 Lake Charles. We are the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station and it is a beautiful memorial day weekend like when i drove on my way here i'm usually seeing a handful of cars making their way across town i hardly saw any around like eight o'clock as i made my way over to the game studios and it's rare but i'll tell you this it made the drive that much better because i'll be honest with you when you're driving you're in traffic just all around this great area we have it gets to be a pain that's kind of just my two cents there because you never know how long it could take, especially if you go towards certain areas in town. Thankfully, that Chick-fil-A by the Acadian Mall that moved over to a little bit more of an easier place to handle things because that causes a big old backup. And I know this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, you're enjoying it. And more importantly, hopefully, you are staying safe out on those roads wherever you're going. If you're going to the beach, if you're going maybe – going down to Texas, maybe going to Alabama. I don't know where you're going, but make sure if you are, keep that mobile app handy. That way you can listen to us wherever you go. And you can hear us in crystal clear radio quality. Just absolutely amazing. You're hearing this voice right now if you do have that app. And if you're hearing my voice, I want you to give me a call. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you want to talk about that old foosball or anything else in the world, I'm here for it. But I've got a question for you. I've got a trivia question. We did one last hour. Guy didn't want it. He just wanted to answer the question. I want somebody who wants to go to downtown Rising. It's seven days away at Park International in downtown Lafayette. I've got a Saints trivia question for you in this hour. And we're going to do it right now. We're going to go ahead and get this thing going right here, right now. So let's go ahead and unveil today's question of, or hour two's question, excuse me. And we're going to go Saints-centric. And we're going to go with a Super Bowl question. Which Saints defender caught the game-sealing interception in Super Bowl 44? Again, which Saints player, Saints defensive player, caught the game-sealing interception against the Indianapolis Colts in Super Bowl 44? 337-706-706. 337-706-0111. 
I want you to give us a call. If you want tickets to Downtown Rising, we've got your opportunity to win those. So give us a call, 337-706-0111. And let's get out to the game hotline. Looks like we got one right now. So let's get to it with our first contestant. And let's see if we get this. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Are you ready for this trivia question answer? Nope. And I wait a little bit too long, I guess. So let's go out to the hotline again. Another caller. Caller, do you want downtown rising tickets for next Saturday? Hello? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Are you wanting to win some downtown rising tickets next weekend? Yes, sir. Well, why don't you answer this trivia question for us? Which Saints player caught this interception that helped seal the Saints' first and at this time only Super Bowl victory? Uh, Tracy Porter. Bingo, bingo. Congratulations, my man. You just won tickets to Downtown Rising. So if you don't mind, I want you to hang tight because I'm going to talk for a few more minutes. We'll take a timeout, and I'll get to you because i got to get some information to, f- to fill out fill out a form, all that stuff. So just keep keep you, keep you stay on hold for a few minutes. I'm going to talk about some other stuff, and I'll get to you. That sounds good? No problem. All right, just hang tight, my man. We're going to go ahead and put you on hold. So congratulations once again. We got our winner. We're going to go ahead and move on down the line. Because I want to get to something that I didn't necessarily talk about all that much on the show last weekend. But I started talking about it. And that is the fact that we are starting to move away from divisions in the in the college football world. We're starting to move away from that. And some of the conversations have been about the SEC and the way they maybe want to reschedule and how they want to format this. Now, is this going to happen next season? No, I think this is going to be happening more once we get the Texas and Oklahomas of the world in the action. That's what's going to happen. It's just that simple. So the idea is, the proposal that seems like it's going to pass on through is the 366 format. You've got three permanent opponents and six other opponents on the schedule annually so that each team would play every other team in the conference at least twice in four years. Now, of course, what happens once Texas and Oklahoma get in? It's anybody's guess. And we're going to go ahead and include these guys in the mix. Just to be completely fair, and obviously it, they're the ones that are ca- going to cause us to go more away from divisions. So let's go ahead and like just look at this. And with LSU, I've seen a bevy, and I mean a bevy, and I'm going to go ahead and do more of a deep dive into this probably next week. But I've seen a, more people go towards LSU having the following opponents. And I, I hate this. I hate the way some of these are set up. And again, logistically, it's fine. But my God, it makes this LSU like 366 suck. One person, for instance, part of a Anchor of Gold, which is a affiliate for the a Vanderbilt on SB Nation, they have LSU playing Mississippi State, 
Ole Miss and A&M every year. If that don't scream just mediocre type stuff year in and year out, I don't know what what will, to be honest with you. Because Ole Miss, it depends what year it is. depends what they have. But ever since the 2010s, ever since the whole, like, illegal recruiting stuff happened with Hugh Freeze, they've been pretty bad. So Ole Miss, like, that alone just immediately, like, it screams to me, nope. A&M, you have a rivalry now with them. I would love to see that every single year for LSU to kick their faces in. I'll throw I'll throw out Mississippi State or Ole Miss. All due respect. The Ole Miss rivalry, it's old school as all get out, but I don't need it every single year. I'm going to put in Alabama because I want to see a, a world without, without LSU Alabama every single freaking year. As much as we hate Alabama, as long as Nick Saban is still coaching, and I think he could be like the Futurama heads in the in the jar and be coaching like that for about like 20, 30 years. If that technology is able to be put together and the miracle of modern medicine, I think LSU Alabama absolutely has to be on that list. And as much as we hate it, LSU Florida, I need LSU Florida to have that be a thing Every year. As much as we hate that entire thing, especially after the whole hurricanes, when that caused us to have to change up and, and shift our mindset and have to have two years we play at, at at Gainesville. Like, seriously? But I think LSU Florida, that's a tr- traditional rivalry. Now, the only thing is Alabama's actually got an interesting schedule the way there is a setup and they keep some of those iconic rivalries, the interstate rivalry of Auburn and Tennessee having Auburn, the iron bowl. That's always going to be that game. The third Saturday in October, that's always going to be a game. How that fits out. Mississippi state's the other team, but again, Mississippi state just feels like they're on the Island of misfit toys in terms of compared to what I want to see. Florida, they've got Auburn, Georgia, and South Carolina. You got the world's largest cocktail party that you can't call it that anymore, but okay. Good old-fashioned hate between those two. South Carolina, I I think you could probably do away with that game, but again, you want to keep two SEC East without it being SEC East. Then we've got Auburn. I'd probably sub out Auburn for LSU in that situation. Texas A&M I'd keep. And for what it's worth, Texas A&M, theirs actually works really well. Because you've got Arkansas, LSU, and Texas. And so help me God, we need Texas, Texas A&M every single year. Book that son of a gun on Thanksgiving Day. Give it to me now. Or book it, book it on Black Friday. I don't care. I want to see that every single year in a prime time affair. Texas, Texas A&M. We talk about good old fashioned hate. No, this is just straight up hate. Like the player haters ball could be from Austin and College Station alternating every single year. You'd have that. You'd have Oklahoma, Texas. Like I am just like frothing at the mouth with some of the things they have. 
Obviously, Texas would play Oklahoma. Texas probably, according to some people, would play Ole Miss. Again, Ole Miss, I'm okay with. It is what it is. But I just want to see how this – if they go 366 – it's it's going to be fun to see how the SEC manages it all. Because there are a lot of just deep-seated rivalry games that are being added to the docket with Texas, Texas A&M, the Oklahoma-Texas game. Hell, I'd probably say LSU-Oklahoma could be something I'd love to see down the road. But I think we, in terms of just, it's going to be a struggle because you've got to pick three games that are going to be year-in and year-out rivalry games and have that legacy attached to it. Ole Miss, LSU, it's obviously an iconic game, mainly because of the fact that you have one Billy Cannon, that play alone. But everything else they have going on, you're questioning a lot of stuff. You're questioning a lot of things. Now, what happens next with the future of the SEC, where things go from here, is anybody's guess. But if LSU doesn't play the following three teams, A&M, Alabama, and Florida in that yearly matchup, it's going to feel like LSU got slighted a little bit. Because in terms of geographic sense, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, A&M works, but I don't think we're going to get a real real rivalry out of that. It's going to be one-sided as hell, and it's probably going to help out LSU in the long run. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, I want to get into some other things and talk about the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, possibly the worst I've ever seen. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. You're getting more under the dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Shout out to our guy Joe. He wound up winning the tickets at Downtown Rising. Give credit to him for dialing it up at 337-706-0111 and getting the question of the day right. What should be of the day? You think it would be question of the week, right? because it's a Saturday show. Anyways, that's not all you can win. So shout out to him for winning that. But you can win tickets to see the Houston Astros when they take on the Chicago White Sox Saturday, June 18th. You can be there. We want to hook you up with our latest Houston Astros. We can get away here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. All you have to do is sign up today in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Love Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Now we can talk some NBA for a few minutes. We'll have Kyle T. Mosley. He'll be joining the program in about 10 minutes. And we're going to talk about what's going on with the Saints, OTAs, Michael Thomas. He's not taking part of it. The Saints, what's the situation with running back, biggest questions, and so much more in the next segment. But I want to talk some NBA for a moment. And I don't normally go deep dive into the NBA. I was trying to get my guy Tyler Batista on the show to talk about it. But lo and behold, I completely forgot he told me outright that he was going to be in Vegas this weekend for Double or Nothing. Lucky son of a gun, number one. And also for a, va- for a bachelor party, too. So, lucky son of a gun, number two. So, I'm just seeing this. El- uh, the Florida-Alabama game, 5-4 right now, in the heading into the bottom of the second. So, this is going to be a lot of fun to keep tabs on this one. And as soon as that game's done... Not long after, you'll hear Chris Blair and Bill Frank as the voice of Alec Box on the call of all the action, and you'll hear it right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. So whenever I was watching some of the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals, one thing stood out to me. These may have been the worst games I've ever seen. And just in terms of the, the level of play and how lopsided the majority of those games were. Like the Warriors damn near swept the Mavericks, which shows how out again, when you have the Phoenix Suns, the number one seed lose the way that they did, yeah. It makes sense because the Warriors are just that much better. But the first three games, you had the Warriors win one twelve eighty seven, which is abhorrent for a Western Conference final game. Game 2, 126-117, which seems slightly more respectable. Then 109-100, a little bit better. Mavericks win 119-109, then it's a 110-120 game. So for the most part, you had double-digit wins all the way through. Not necessarily the best look for the game, in my mind. It was not a good look. Then you have the Eastern Conference Finals. Just on the whole, were fine. Both teams pushed to the limit. But the first two games were incredibly lopsided. Heat won, relatively speaking, running away. Celtics damn near like it blew them out of the water in game two, 127-102. The, the Heat and Celtics played well in game three. Game four was the worst of them all. Then you have game five, which just sat there at a 93-80, thank God I didn't put money on that game as an over because it feels like a lot of those games have gone over. And then last night's game, Heat-Celtics. Jimmy Butler put on a performance that really shined a light on how good that team is with Jimmy Butler. Without him, I don't think they would have ever smelt the Eastern Conference Finals. And if the Heat win this, there's no doubt in my mind that the Warriors are going to run away with the NBA Finals. And it's going to make me feel a lot better about that bet that I made a couple months ago. But I saw this last night. Again, I was up about 2 in the morning making sure everything was right with the station. Because, again, the SEC SEC tournament has just thrown like a, a big old monkey wrench into every single thing that we do, especially as we head into the weekend. Not necessarily the best. So, when I'm watching 
some of Sports Center after I after I'm kind of winding down. All of a sudden, I hear them talk about the Heat game last night. And of course, we hear about ten years ago we saw a similar performance from LeBron James, which brings me up to like a question and a take that I've had for a while. And if you listen to the show, you know this. I have a strong take that LeBron James is not the greatest of all time. And I think a lot of people would agree with me because Michael Jordan is the GOAT. There's no doubt about it. Michael Jordan didn't have to go create a super team. The teams came to him and the players came to him and helped build a team. It wasn't going ahead and get the three best players. Like LeBron James did when he went to Miami and only got one championship out of it. Remember when he said, not one, not two. He kept talking about how it was just going to be an absolute dynasty and it was going to rule the world. No, not even close. Thanks to the Dallas Mavericks and San Antonio Spurs, which, by the way, in 2014, I had that like series win right. Spurs and five. I don't know why, but Spurs and five felt right. So, when it comes to this, like, just the way the day-to-day media works, I don't understand why we have to compare every little thing to LeBron James. I don't understand why. In 2022, we continue to compare everything to LeBron James. I understand there's some there's some correlation, there's some parallels to it because it's it, they played the Celtics in that game. It's the Heat 10 years ago. I understand that. But it didn't need to be a talking point. You could just say Jimmy Butler had the game of his life, was in God mode, putting up 47 points and helping lead the Celtics to lead the Heat to a win and force a game seven. That's all the story is. Why is that the talking point that all the major media people are bringing up? LeBron James just has to be brought up every single time. I'll I'll never understand it. There is an obsession. And maybe it's the fact that I was younger and I wasn't watching SportsCenter or 24-hour news cycles as much because I was a little kid. I was playing video games, maybe trying to, like, do other things. I was playing baseball a lot. But I had never understood why there is so much of a fixation on certain players, and especially LeBron James. LeBron James is one of the best players of this generation. That is unequivocal fact. He's not the greatest of all time. I don't care what a lot of the younger folks say. It's Michael Jordan. I'd say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is up there. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. All those guys deserve to be in that kind of conversation. Maybe not Mount Rushmore. I think when it's all said and done, LeBron James deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. But I can't understand why they have to bring him up in every single conversation. It's the same thing about LeBron. Every single topic, he's got to jump in and get his two cents in. That way, it winds up being a push notification on Bleacher Report or the Four Letter Network or whatever. Mind you, of course, before Game 6, what happens? The Los Angeles Lakers finally get off their ass and go ahead and hire a new head coach in Darvin Ham. Big ups to them for actually getting a really good head coach because they could have been saddled with Doc Rivers because that's what it felt like for a little, little while. But no, they get Darvin Ham, a guy that was definitely considered to be a replacement for Stan Van Gundy, the worst head coach in Pelicans history. Don't at me on that statement. So, 
They get Darvin Ham on the same day as Game 7. Don't tell me that wasn't coordinated. To try and make, again, and I can correlate a lot of things for that. NBA Game 6 and 2, it's a Friday. Friday before a holiday weekend, if you've been in the media business and you understand this business enough, Friday news dumps will happen and they'll be something like this. And Darvin Ham absolutely deserves it. Don't get me wrong. And I think this is going to help the Lakers be a little bit better. But, and this is a huge but, I still don't think they want to win in the NBA Finals. They have to get through the Warriors. And now they have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. They're all healthy. Even, even Looney. Looney is looking like a beast right now. You're going to have to get through that team to have a shot at hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy when it's all said and done. And LeBron showed himself to be able to do that. See, 3-1 series lead in the finals. But I feel like this team is on a different level. And I also got to give a shout-out to, to the Warriors, period. The run they've had over the last, like, eight years, 2015 to 2022, seven years, technically 2014-15, but you get where I'm coming from. The run they've had is amazing. The finals appearances the way things worked out for them, the way they were just dominant. Then getting KD, and he absolutely put that team on another level, winning championships year in and year out, being contenders. They they dipped down a little bit, yes, but I think that was just more the fact of everything else going on. You try getting a Warriors team to win without Steph Curry, without Klay Thompson. Good luck, God bless, right? Having Boogie Cousins, old tired ass on that team. Like, tell me you can win with that. I couldn't tell you that. feel like Mike Singletary. You can't do it. Can't win with him. Can't do it. Won't do it. That's where I'm at with this Warriors team. As long as you've got a healthy Steph and a healthy Clay, I think this could be one of the most dominant dynasties, if we're going to call it that, in the NBA, hist- in NBA history. And the fact they're doing it out of Oakland. Like, we talk about small markets. Oakland's not a small market by any means, but in terms of just the grand scheme, you think Los Angeles, California, and then Oakland. Maybe it's the fact that's the only team that's really worth rooting for, and that's the only team that's been worth rooting for for the last decade plus, if not longer. Because, let's be honest, who's really pulling for the Oakland A's? Who's really pulling for the, oh wait, they're not there anymore, the former Oakland Raiders. It's a lot like San Diego. It's a ghost town in terms of a sports market, and the Warriors absolutely have a stranglehold over the Bay Area. I know they're more in San Fran now, but San Fran compared to Los Angeles, it's not, I don't think, like when I think of San Fran compared to Los Angeles, New York, it's a smaller market. It's probably a, it's more of a medium-sized market. Let's just go ahead and call it that. It's not a small market. It's a medium market, comparatively speaking to what we traditionally consider large markets. Enough about markets. We'll talk about some football in the next segment. Our guy Kyle T. Mosley, part of Sports Illustrated, going to be joining the program next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are that. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Quick update out of Hoover, Alabama. Then we'll talk some Saints. Florida's currently up 6-4 to four against Alabama, headed to the bottom of the third. Game's moving at a decent pace. I'm not going to say it's a fast pace or a slow pace or whatever because I've learned from my dad who's been umpire for so long you never talk about the pace of play. So I'm just going to say it's it's moving. It's moving fairly well. If it was in the fifth, then I'd be like, yeah, we're kind of picking it up. But no. Bottom third, we're an hour in. That's about how a typical game would go. So hopefully LSU, when I'm getting an email earlier from the people over at LSU saying airtime would probably be around 1 o'clock central. And if they win, they'd play against Tennessee in game four, approximately around eight o'clock. No guarantees there. As we learned last night, because I think the game was supposed to start at eight, wound up starting at 10 o'clock. So trust me, do not believe everything you hear or read in the case of the emails that I'm getting from people. But enough about that. Let's get to some Saints talk because that's really been a good source of just some good vibes all the way around. And to do that, we're going to talk to our guy, Kyle T. Mosley part of Saints News Now, which is part of Sports Illustrated. Kyle, how you doing, man? What's going on, Clint? How you feel? I'm feeling good, brother, especially with this Saints team. It's a lot different than what it was before the draft when we last spoke. Because first off, you had a great draft class, and then you go ahead and dunk on the NFL and getting two former LSU players, two of the best to come out of LSU in the last decade plus, if not of all time and Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, all what you've done in this offseason has been impressive, and it, it speaks to how much I think Mickey Loomis and crew were just waiting with zen-like patience to get these guys in-house. Yeah, I mean, think about it. LSU guys who are very impactful still in the prime of their careers, uh, Landry uh, is a very productive wide receiver, and we know what you get from the Honey Badger. I, I like what the Saints have been able to do, the maneuvering first, uh, to be able to whittle down that $70-plus million in cap space to get them to a point in free agency where they were able to get guys like Landry and Matthew. But uh, the additions, the draft class, uh, some of the undrafted free agents, too, that look pretty good, uh, those young rookies uh, that they brought in, like Crawl and uh, Smoke Monday and those type of guys uh, look really good out there in the initial OTA. So let's see what's going to happen. And uh, I think there's still some question marks on the team, uh, especially at tight end and uh the guard position, uh, especially for the offensive side, and what type of depth are we going to see at linebacker behind Demario Davis and those guys uh, this season? So I, I like what the Saints are doing. I think Dennis Allen 
has positioned himself well, and I think Winston has been put in a good position to succeed. And, you know, Kyle, like we, we talk about on the defensive side of the football, obviously Tyron Matthew helps fulfill a need that we talked <laughs> about a lot at the safety position, but he brought up the front seven. Which part of it is more concerning to you? Is it the defensive line or is it going to be the depth at linebacker? Right now it's the linebacking core, in my opinion. Uh, I think you got a lot of good tools off the line play. Um, you know, you could possibly look at that defensive tackle position as well. I know they signed a young kid out of Syracuse uh, uh, who's coming in, but I, I like what the Saints have done defensively in the backfield, right? So you got to be able to put some pressure on the quarterback. Peyton Turner is still rehabilitating. Uh, you know what you're going to get from Cam Jordan and uh, uh, TCAP. So I, I like what these guys are doing. What can we do? Is Shy Tuttle ready to be able to uh, ramp it up more? Is uh, Malcolm Roach ready to ramp it up more? You know Big O is going to be who he is. So can we get some depth there? Or are we going to be able to uh, have some question marks in that area? Uh, I think it's still the linebacking core, man. Um, DeMario, you know he's going to be great. Uh, is this bronze year to really step it up? Pete Warner is a tackling machine. So what happens if one of those guys go down? You know, I know they uh, brought in the young guy uh, from Appalachian State, Jackson. But right now, is that enough to say you're satisfied at the linebacking position? Talking right now with Kyle T. Mosley, part of SI Now managing editor and head reporter for the Saints News Network. And looking at, well, obviously the Saints are in OTAs right now. Are you concerned with some of the absences with as we're in voluntary OTAs and stuff like that, or are you just more, you know, business as usual, especially considering some of the situations, like Michael Thomas not there. He's still dealing with that ankle injury. But I think that one at least is justifiable. But, but what are your thoughts on overall some of the absences we're seeing? Yeah, from what John Hendricks said, Mike was in the building still a part of rehabilitation or whatever. Uh, like Peyton Turner, he was there but didn't participate. Uh, I'm not too concerned about what's happening with Alvin Kamara because we know that's going to be a process, right? Alvin Kamara has been working out in Miami with uh, Dr. Reef at athletics training. So he looks good on the videos that I've seen thus far. Uh, it looks like He's going to be explosive as ever, but will we be able to see him on the field a majority of the time? We don't know what's going to happen with this court situation. Um, his legal situation is really the dark cloud that's hanging over the New Orleans Saints because it's so uncertain, right? And um, Michael Thomas's situation, I, I think it's going to be a work in progress with him. But when you have young talent like Chris Alave, uh, you have the returning Saints receivers that are back for another season, uh, I think Michael Thomas will see how he progresses through training camp. I don't expect to see him to be fully explosive until probably game 
five, six, something to that nature. Plus, he has to get his timing down with uh, Jameis Winston. But Winston looks good. And that's the thing. I, I was more impressed by, think about this, less than seven months ago, the guy was laying on the turf at Caesars Superdome, and we did not know what's going to happen at quarterback, right? And now he's uh, just throwing passes uh, down the field, connecting with these guys. Uh, he's throw, tossed some beautiful passes to Alave early in OTAs. Um, I, I like what we're having there, but uh, I think just be patient with Michael Thomas. That's the, the key right there. Be patient. And you brought up Alvin Kamara, and obviously he's dealing. He's just waiting to find out when, and more importantly, if he gets suspended because of his the actions that happened at the Pro Bowl weekend. My question to you is: How long do you think he gets suspended for? And could this be something that happens at one point during the season, rather than before the season starts? Because I think we're hoping it would be something that happens before the season starts, rather than during. Because then that puts you in even a bigger pickle. Yeah, they keep delaying the hearings, right? That's a good question, Clint. Think about midseason and you get a suspension, especially if the team is on the roll. You'd like to have these matters cleared up before you head into the regular season, but I, if there's uh, still some pushback by his attorneys or uh, there's more evidence that needs to be collected or they need to get the defense strategy in place. I, I'm, I'm not a part of that legal team, so it, it, I can't speculate, but the National Football League, they usually want to wait and observe what happens in the courtrooms before they are able to render their judgment, right? And, uh, Sometimes for New Orleans Saints fans, those judgments can be pretty harsh. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. Clint, that's that's the one area, like I say, is very concerning. What's going to happen with Alvin Kamara, man? Uh, could it be eight games? Could it be the whole season? I don't know. That was a pretty uh, serious situation that occurred. Oh, exactly, and that's kind of where a lot of our concerns are, but. In, in speaking of that, what kind of running backs are available in free agency to where the Saints could snatch one up? That way they have that in case of emergency of Alvin Kamara is out for eight games or out for the year. You're like, oh, bleep. You can you don't have to necessarily scramble. You've got that emergency because I don't think Mark Ingram, I'm 33, Mark Ingram is about the same age as I am, and I'm sure – that cat's probably feeling the same stuff that I feel on a day-to-day basis, if not multiplied 10x because of the like over a course a 17-game season for a guy at his age in that position. It's tough. <laughs> Look, it's tough at my age. I'm I got 22 years <laughs> on you guys, so uh, yeah, you do feel it. The older you get, you feel every uh, bone crack, every <laughs> every uh, joint. Uh, problems that you're going to have. So, yeah, so Mark Ingram is a little bit long in the tooth, right? Um, I think for Ingram, he's at that point in his career, and and I think this is what happened with him at Baltimore, that he's not an ever-down back. So do we have Tony Jones Jr., or is it the young kid out of Baylor Smith that's going to uh, come up to 
the situation and uh, be able to take over that role uh, in case Alvin Kamara is not in. I think the Saints want a veteran presence. Now, they brought in a couple of guys, and they've gone on to sign elsewhere. Um, uh, Sony Michelle was one of them. And, uh, but these guys are really uh, coming in, but the Saints haven't taken a fly out on them yet. So do they wait? Do they see if there's any movement during training camps where some guys are released or some guys uh, become trade available, right? Um, that might be some of the options that the front office is weighing at this time. Uh, one more for you, Kyle. And, you know, we, we talk about Chris Olave. Obviously, he's that guy that you absolutely had to get in the NFL draft to compliment Michael Thomas. And you mentioned him getting some beautiful passes from Jameis Winston. How, and we talk about Michael Thomas not being there and on a day-to-day basis in practice. How crucial is this time to kind of get adjusted for, you know, one Chris Olave, like and being able to work with Jameis Winston the way he is? Well, is is anytime a, a rookie comes into an NFL camp, the more reps you get, the better off you are. And if you're able to work with the number one quarterback in those sets during the seven on sevens or the other drills, that's really important. Chris Olave, the New Orleans Saints chose him because of a couple of reasons. Number one, not just because he's from Ohio State, but the kid is a really good route runner. He has a very good way of getting out open, uh, and that was some of the issues the New Orleans Saints wide receivers had last season because they weren't able to separate and find the openings uh, to, for the Saints quarterback. Not just when after Jameis went down, it was just uh, abysmal, right? So Chris Olave brings that element that's been missing since we had like a a Lance Moore or someone to that nature, right? And I like the fact that he also has a downfield presence and he can be able to uh, give Jameis Winston that opportunity who throws a a great long ball. What's going to happen is this: if Chris Olave continues to mature, evolve this offseason. Uh, I think Jameis Winston, he usually has worked with his wide receivers during the offseason as well. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be in New Orleans and Alabama or where, but that will be critical for Chris Olave if he's able to participate with those guys, right? And if he's able to grow and mature, Chris Olave could be a rookie of the year candidate. And I don't know if you're, we're talking about probably 40, 50 balls that is going to be thrown this way. Um, but he has that potential, if not to get a lot of uh, receptions, he has the potential to get touchdowns. And that's what the Saints need from this offense, right? I'd agree with you old Harley. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Have a great weekend. Take care. I definitely will. Kyle T. Mosley, everybody. Appreciate him coming on. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll come back. One final take, and then we're getting out of here and into a fantastic weekend. So keep it locked right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Well, we got a couple minutes to get this final take in, and we're going to go ahead and waste no time. And it's about college football. Talk about it last week, some of the more premier matchups that I'm looking forward to this fall. And I saw, I, I mentioned this because I figured this was going to happen, and lo and behold, I was right. Broken clock is right twice a day, I guess. But I was blown away at how quickly this actually happened. So Fox unveiled along with a lot of the other networks, unveiled their schedule for the first few weeks of the season. And, of course, we get Texas-Alabama. We get that. At the worst possible time I've ever seen a game scheduled, 11 a.m. And this game is in Texas. Like, this is... Going to be swamp-ass 11 a.m. kickoff. The worst time to put a game there. Yeah, Everybody's reacting to it. Like This is going to be one of just the worst games to go watch because it's just going to be hot as all get out. People complain about how hot it was when LSU played Alabama back in 2019. Go ahead and turn that up probably four or five times because you are going to be sweating where you may have never sweat before. I talk about swamp ass. I guarantee you'd be sweating all over the place. Appreciate everybody for listening in. Appreciate everybody for calling in back next week, 9 to 11. And I think we're going to shift towards something really cool starting next week. So take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. LSU baseball coming up around 1-ish, hopefully. We'll give you some more details later. Till then, peace.